0: We're in Revelation today, Revelation chapter 1. We're going to make it all the way from, where do we teach from last week? Do you guys remember? 1 through 3. 1 through 3. So this week, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. <laughs> At this rate, 3 verses every 2 weeks, how long will it take us to get through Revelation? 27 years. 27 years, that's pretty good. That's about right. So Curtis, if you were here last week, Curtis did a wonderful job on Revelation 1, 1 through 3, and he talked about some very important things, and as I was getting ready to teach through Revelation and pick it up where he left off, I thought there's some other stuff that I want to include out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, stuff that he didn't talk about, and it, I think it helps to set us up for the rest of the study. The title of the message, if we can throw that up there, was The Blessing and further introduction of the Revelation. But we're only going to get through the blessing portion of the message today, which is going to be, it's plenty. So we're going to get through that, and we'll save the rest of the introduction as we go through and teach through Revelation. How does that sound? Sound good. Why don't we stand up, and we're going to stand for the reading of the word here, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Before we we uh, read, though, let's pray. Lord, as we read... I pray that we would have ears to hear, Lord God, that we would be ready and available for the truth that you want to encourage us with today. We thank you, Lord, for the Bible. God, we are so thankful for the instruction that you have left for us in the, pa- in the pages of Scripture, those 66 books. God, we're thankful for the Word of God and uh, thankful for the Spirit of God that instructs us and teaches us. And it helps us to understand the word of God. And so as we read through it and teach through it, I pray that you would illuminate that truth to our understanding, God, that we'd walk out of here with just a greater confidence in what we know about the word, greater conviction about, we know, about what we know about the word, Lord. And then we just have a greater boldness as we declare what we know about the word, Lord. So help us, we pray. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Revelation, please stay standing. Who, who almost, who wanted to sit down? <laughs> Sorry to keep you on your toes. Revelation 1, 1 through 3, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Revelation one, one through three, you may be seated. So verse three tells us that there is a blessing attached to this revelation. It might be the only book pretty sure it's the only book in the Bible, Old or New Testament, that gives a promise that there will be a blessing to those who listen to it, who read it aloud, who hear it, listen, and to those who keep it. There's a blessing attached to uh, our lives and to this promise, to this power of of the Word of God as we read it aloud, as we hear it, and as we keep it. Number one, there's a blessing for the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Why is it it so important that we read aloud the word? I mean, can't we just all stand and just read it quietly? We could do that. But there seems to be precedent in the Scripture, both Old and New Testament, instruction in Scripture that encourages us and even directs us to read aloud aloud. The word of God. The Jews understood this in the Old Testament. They understood the importance of reading the scripture aloud. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, where Ezra read the law. This is what it says in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law that the Lord had commanded Israel. Of the law. Imagine the word of the Lord being read from early morning until midday, and the people were attentive. There was a hunger there. And I think the hunger you develop an appetite for what you are fed. And so if you eat junk food, you will develop an appetite for junk food. If you eat good food, you will develop an appetite for those things that are good for you. So when the word of the Lord is read to the people of God, they're developed an appetite for the word of God. And so from early morning till midday, they are able to attentively listen to the word of the Lord. So, so... The Jews understood the reading of the word of God, the out loud public reading of the word of God. The early church also understood this importance of reading the scripture aloud. The apostle Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul told Timothy, "'Until I come, devote yourself "'to the public reading of scripture, "'to exhortation, to teaching.'" Lord, we pray for those emergency response vehicles in Jesus' name. God, we don't know what's going on, but you do. We pray that you'd minister help and health and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, Paul told Timothy, to exhortation, to teaching. So what can we glean from these passages in Nehemiah and in Timothy? What can we glean from these passages of Scripture, the Out loud public of reading of scripture, what what can we glean from these passages? Well, we know from uh, Nehemiah 8 that there's unity. It says, the people gathered as one man. And so, as the people of God gathered to hear the word of God, there was unity as the people gathered to hear the word of God, the instruction of God. So, there was, they created unity. So, that's the value, honestly, of coming to a corporate gathering of worship. And we can all watch church on TV, on the internet, and we can do that. And there's a time for that. But the most important part of what we do as believers, one of the most important parts of what we do as believers is come together and together in unity, we hear the word of God and we the word of God is preached and taught and understood together. So there was great unity as the people of God heard the word of God. Also, it was a reminder to remember what the Lord had commanded. Down throughout history, Whenever the word of God is taught or read or preached, whenever the word of God is presented to people, the purpose of the word of God being presented is to remind us. Now, first and foremost, the preacher, the teacher, the person leading must Be reminded. There cannot be a disconnect between the two. There must be in the preacher teacher's life a connection, a reminder of the truth of the Word of God so that that person can take that information and that revelation and remind others. And so, whether you're teaching from the pulpit or in a small group Bible study or a home group, whatever it is, anytime you are given the responsibility to teach the Word, that Word must first. Transform your own life and your own understanding. It must first stir you up as a teacher and as a leader of in the in the in God's church. You must be personally reminded in your own life so that you can effectively remind others in their own lives. There's a a disconnect when that doesn't happen. And it's obvious in the teaching and the preaching. If there hasn't been a transformation in the preacher's life. There's not going to be a transformation in the listener's life. There has to be something that happens. And so not just for me and for people who stand up in front, but when you're telling somebody about Jesus, if that hasn't touched you on a deep level, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never be able to, with confidence and boldness, declare that truth to anybody else. But On the contrary, when your life has been radically touched by the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, you have no problem communicating that with clarity, with passion, and with boldness because, man, you've been touched by it yourself. And so you know firsthand what the experience is all about and what God will do in a person's life. And so it created unity. It was a great reminder. And it was for understanding. It says, men and women and all who could understand gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And so we're read the word of the Lord so that we can understand the word of the Lord. God's given us the word for our understanding so that we can know what he's expected of us, know what he's called us to, and know how he's called us to live as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're actually meant to understand the word of God so that we can apply the word of God. It was also for listening and learning. Nehemiah 8.3 says, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So there must be an attention when we're reading or listening to the word of God. I remember just a couple of days ago, I was reading through a passage of scripture and my mind was watering, wandering and I got through the end of the chapter and I think, I don't know anything about, <laughs> I don't remember a thing about what I read. So I'm like, okay, I want to be... <laughs> Does that happen to anybody else? Okay, good. So I want to be attentive to the word of God. So I went back and reread it and I said, Lord, and I do this almost every time I read the word, I'm like, Lord, would you just teach me something from your word? Would you help me to understand your word? And so... I went back and I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to help me be present with Your Word. I want to be attentive <laughs> with Your Word because reading, is the, reading the Bible, reading the is not about just checking a box and saying I got it done. It's part of my spiritual disciplines, and so I got to read, check the box, go on to my next thing. It's about being transformed by the Word of God, the truth of God, the life and the love of God. And when we are attentive to the Word of God, it means we're just like listening, Lord. What is it that you want to speak to me today? And we can read the Bible our whole lives and wake up one day, and I think every time we read the Bible, We can, the the word of God is living and active. And so it it has the power to speak to us. I might read the same passage over and over again, but on a specific day, in a given circumstance, the Lord's going to show me something, reveal something that is encouraging and life giving to me in that situation. So you say, Well, I've read the Bible. You can tell me, listen, I've read the Bible 10 times, and you know what I'm going to tell you to do? Go back and read it again, (laughs) and then keep reading it. Keep reading the Bible all the days of your life. You'll be built up in your most holy faith, exhorted. You read the Bible, and it it exhorts us. It challenges us. It's like a, a mirror that's held up to our lives, and we're saying, God, I want to live for you, but in this area, as I'm reading this passage of Scripture, I'm actually not living according to your word, and so You're you're, you're personally exhorted. The Holy Spirit challenges, builds us up in our most holy faith so we might live differently for him. We're exhorted and we're, we're taught the word of God. Paul told Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. So that's the deal. That's our responsibility. That's our assignment. So there's a blessing for the one who reads Allowed the words of this prophecy. Also, number two, there's a blessing for those who hear this prophecy. In Matthew 13, we read Jesus' instruction to his followers, speaking to contrast those people whose hearts had grown dull. And this is what he said in Matthew 13, 16, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Uh, look around at your n- neighbors really quick. Go ahead. Is everybody doing it? You need to <coughs> look at your neighbor. So tell me if you're right. Okay. Tell me <laughs> can you give your, ma- your mom, never mind. <laughs> tell me does your neighbor, does everybody look? Does everybody, Does everybody have ears? Does, you got ears, Caleb? Okay, okay. Everybody have ears. Is there, so now feel it closely. My ears—I I get this from my mom. I'm lobless. Now your assignment after—Mom, raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. After your assignment after church, and if you're close by, you can do it now. But look, she's got no lobes. Now I was told after first service that God was working overtime on lobeless people's brains <laughs> such that that all all of the energy and, and effort went into the, the, the capability of a lobeless person's brain and such that there wasn't <laughs> enough effort enough raw material left for lobes. <laughs> Did you know that? I just I just found that out today. It does make sense. I all my life I I felt self, comp, you know, self, What's the word? Self-conscious, Self-conscious about my loblessness. But now I find out that it's because I'm so smart. <laughs> Who else is lobless? You are among the smartest in the room. Lobless, right? So embrace it. Embrace it. It's a wonderful thing. So while most people. <laughs> Very helpful. So while most people have ears, Jesus Jesus makes it clear that not all people have the ability to hear actually listening and understanding. So there's a distinction made. We all have ears, but we're not all listening and we're not all understanding. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. He was speaking to those who listened, who heard the word of the Lord. It's one thing to hear noise, right? It's one thing to hear noise. It's quite another thing to listen to the point of understanding. So Whenever you're listening to the Word of God or reading the Word of God, listen to the point of understanding. And if you're you're not getting it, go back to it and continue to go back to it and go back to it until you feel like, until you know that you've got good understanding. There's a blessing to those who hear this prophecy, to those who listen and understand. What's the proof that we have heard The proof that we have heard is a changed life. We actually live differently when we've heard the word and believed the word. The proof that we have heard is a changed life. We will actually live differently. We will live with faith, or greater faith when we've heard the word of God. Why? Because the word of God will build us up in our most holy faith. And so we will approach life and face life with a greater measure of faith. Why? Because we're keeping our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who gives us faith for this life. And so when we're reading about Jesus, reading about God's plan and God's Uh, the way God's worked in the earth, we're being built up in our most holy faith. So when we're reading the Bible and hearing the Bible, we actually will operate in our lives with greater faith. And so maybe this year you're going through something and you've got greater faith than maybe you did last year going through a similar situation. You're able to have greater faith because you're growing in your ability to put your faith in God, you're growing in your ability to understand how God operates in the world. And so we should be from season to season, year after year, we should be growing in our ability to exercise greater faith because we've got a greater understanding of the word. So we'll, have, we'll live with greater faith. We'll actually live with greater boldness as well. Not greater arrogance, but greater boldness. We'll live with greater boldness because we'll, as we grow in our understanding of who God is and experience his faithfulness in our lives, we're growing in boldness to believe that God is faithful no matter what the circumstances. And so we're going to be bolder in our proclamation of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be bolder when we're going through difficult times and people are going to wonder, why are you not impacted by what's going on in your life? And we're going to be impacted, but maybe not impacted like the world will be impacted by negative and hard things. We're going to be able to, with boldness, just declare, you know, I know something about my God that allows me to stand firm in this circumstance and in this situation. I just, I've learned something about what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've watched in my life, in my friend's life, as I've read the scripture, I've just watched the faithfulness of God to his people. And so that gives me a a Holy Spirit boldness to trust and to believe and to move forward with greater confidence that God's got it all handled. We live in a crazy world, right? (laughs) We live in a crazy world and it seems to be getting crazier. But if you go back to the first century, When they were, well, the Apostle Paul was persecuting the church, Uh, they were crucifying, in fact, Peter, uh, when he was going to be martyred for his faith, tradition tells us that he would not be crucified like his Savior, but insisted that he be crucified upside down. There's boldness when you declare something like that. There's boldness because there's a belief There's a boldness attached to the conviction that Jesus is Lord, he is king, and he's the leader of my life. This is what God has called us to a boldness. And I think the problem with the church in America and maybe globally is that we kind of hold things loosely. We hold our faith loosely and we don't really believe and really have conviction about who Jesus is and what he's called us to do and how he's called us to live in this life. And so we lack boldness and so we lack the conviction to live the way that God has called us to live. So we live with greater boldness when we understand who God is through the word of God. And then we will live with fearlessness. Man, I think fear is a tool of the enemy that just keeps us wrecked. I don't don't know, don't know about you, but when I'm fearful, I'm afraid to move forward. I'm afraid to believe God. I'm afraid to trust God. I'm afraid to, I just want to hunker down and just kind of keep to myself. When I'm fearful, I'm no good to the kingdom, I'm no good to anything that God has called me to in this life. The enemy of our soul uses fear to keep us crippled in our walks as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. His tool is ageless, timeless, and it's been using it forever. He uses fear to keep us shackled, to keep us hindered from moving forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we've heard The word, when we've believed the word, when we've when we've listened intently to the word of God and we've allowed it to transform our minds, we might get suckered into fear for a moment, maybe even for a short season, but we begin to crawl out of that by God's grace and begin to trust him with greater confidence, boldness, and faith because of who he is, and because of his faithfulness over the course of thousands of years to his people. because of his faithfulness to you in your life here in the earth as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will be faithful to you. And because God is faithful to you, you can live with greater fearlessness. You're just saying, hey, I, I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. And things don't always turn out great, but we can always trust that God will take care of things. And, and then in the long run, it's going to be for our good and his glory, so we can just approach things differently. And so maybe you're here today and you've, man, you're all bound up in fear. You're, and that fear's got, got you frustrated. That fear's got you sad. That fear's got you crippled and hindered in your ability to trust God and to move forward. I just want to declare to you that that is not from God. Fear is not from God. Why, fear is, feels hopeless and like there's no escape. Fear is darkness, and it, it, it's debilitating, and it's not from, from God. The enemy of your soul wants to cripple you with fear so that you don't live as a believer, as a follower in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a fearlessness with the early church as they're getting lit up in the town square to light up uh, parties. They, they would literally light Christians on fire to light, to light up their parties. It was heinous. They would crucify them and beat them and imprison them all because they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we we read about it as we study Daniel. I mean the persecution of the people of God being thrown into the lion's den and just with fearlessness going through that in the fiery furnace going through it and watch what God does. He's He's faithful and, and you know, at the end of the day, most of the disciples were martyred, early church followers martyred. They were, they were killed for their faith. What, made the, what allowed them to go through that without recanting their faith? And they knew God. And because they knew God, they were fearless. Because they understood the faithfulness of God and the divine plan of God and the eternal plan of God and, the, and everything that God was up to, they could go through all of that. I'm afraid that if we don't figure out who we are and get fearless about our faith, we're going to recant God when things get really difficult. Sometimes we do it when things aren't all that tough. We get a stubbed toe or a hangnail, and We're all upset with God. God, I thought you were going to protect me. Something goes sideways. Somebody cuts us off on the... It's crazy. We get sick or somebody dies. There's all kinds of stuff that that kind of derail our faith. we we, we got to understand who we are. we got to understand who Jesus is and what he's called us, into, uh, called us to in this life. Uh, number three, there is a blessing for those who keep what is written in this prophecy. So the evidence of one listening to and understanding the word is keeping, keeping the word of God. There's a blessing for those who keep what is written in this prophecy. What does it mean to keep? What is written in this prophecy? What does it mean? <laughs> to keep means to attend to carefully and to, to take care of. To keep means to attend to carefully to take care of. It also means to observe. So I, th- I think as believers in our fearlessness and in our boldness and with our faith, we need to keep truth when we read it. We need to hold on to it. How do we keep truth when we read it? Well, you you might write it down in your journal or on a piece of paper, on a post-it note. You've read something that you know the Lord has spoken for you, to you, in a given circumstance. So you keep it by not letting yourself forget it. You keep it by writing it down. And you keep it by writing it down and memorizing it and remembering what God has spoken to you through the word of God. We need to be keepers of the word of God, like, That's for me, I'm keeping it, I'm not letting it escape. Otherwise, we run the risk of letting it go in one ear and out the other, so we're not really listening, we're not hearing, we're not learning. But when we keep it and decide we're gonna hold on to it, it's got life-changing power to transform us and to change our minds about fear and anxiety and all of the things that we face in this life. So to keep means to attend to carefully, to take care of. To keep also means to observe. Jesus used the same Greek word when giving the great commission. Jesus said regarding the making of disciples, the thing that each of us is tasked to do in this life. Each of us are called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 20 Regarding making of disciples, Jesus said, teaching them to observe. That word is the same Greek word, it's keep. Teaching them to observe or keep all that I have commanded you, and behold I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling us you have to teach Teach them to observe, to keep this truth, and to internalize this truth. The problem with uh, people is we internalize, myself included, we internalize all the wrong stuff. We internalize the fear and the anxiety. We internalize all kinds of harsh things in our lives when God has called us to internalize truth. When we were talking about the names of God, and, and it was a powerful time of just reminder, reminder. For me, in the first and in the second service, I was reminded that he is the lifter of my head. And I I thought that was interesting because I think sometimes when we think about God, he wants to put heaviness on us and responsibility and judgment and critique on us. But He, if he's our glory and the lifter of our heads, that means he wants to lift our heads and lift our burdens and encourage us in our walk as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to bless us with endurance and grace. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when we come to the Lord, sometimes we feel like he's heaping all kinds of junk on us. Listen, if you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's one thing. But with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's always a way out. There's always the opportunity to confess our sins and repent of our sins so that we can be washed in the blood afresh and have the grace of God wash over our lives so that we can be free from that heaviness and from that guilt. And so there's a difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of sin, and just this worldly demonic heaviness that we walk around with. And so we need to... Fix our mind on things that are true and honorable and lovely and admirable. Think, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We need to be fixing our, changing our minds. We, we sometimes get fixated and think about the wrong stuff, and it consumes us all throughout the course of our day, and if we're not careful, the course of our whole lives. God's word, there's a promise in Revelation that if we will keep His word, there will be blessing upon us. There's blessing for the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. Maybe in your own life you mix it up. And instead of just reading quietly your morning devotion, maybe you just find a good place and just read it aloud. And praying ahead of time, saying, Lord, I'm going to take the opportunity to read your word, I'm going to read it aloud, and I'm going to just invite you to speak to me and teach me. And I I promise you, as you make that your discipline and your priority, your mind will begin to change about what's going on in your life. You will be, have greater faith. And boy, we need that in these days and times that we live in. We will have greater boldness, and we need that. We will have greater fearlessness and we need that. There's a blessing for the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. There's a blessing to those who hear this prophecy and there's a blessing for those who keep what is written in the prophecy. So what do you think? What have you heard? What have you heard? And wh- this, this is a two-way conversation now. <laughs> What have you heard? And I'm just going to have you speak it out from your chair loud enough so that we can all hear. What have you heard and how will you apply it to your life? I'm going to read my morning devotionals aloud. Okay. Okay. Awesome. What do you hope to get out of that? A deeper understanding and a, and a louder answer from God. Ah. One that I can comprehend more clearly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Yeah. So fear is from the enemy, and the only answer to that is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So recognizing that fear is from the enemy, and then to trust in Jesus Christ. What do you hope to get from that exercise? I hope what I come out of it with is my first response to be the Word. Ah, as a shield, yeah. Um, not my own strength and power, yeah. Because I don't really have any that's ever worked. Yeah. Isn't that key? Yeah, I've no, I don't have any that's ever worked. Yeah, how long did it take you to figure that out? Oh, seventy-three. Years. <laughs> seventy-three years, right? <laughs> you're in, you. you're in good company, right? You're in good company, Michael. Somebody else was going to speak up. Live it. Live it. What do you mean? Live it yeah, okay. In God's power. Yeah, and you're doing that, Richard. Thank you, man. I, think I love not. you. What fear is it? Not. Fear not. Yeah, Jesus said when he said all those terrible things that are going to happen, which are happening, yeah. he goes, Fear, fear now, not. These yeah. things must be. Yeah. And I think in what we see today in the world, and in Israel particularly, and line up with scriptures, it's easy to get into fear. Yeah. And when we see what our government does, yeah. supporting yeah. the Palestinians <laughs> it, it can make you fearful because it's frustrating. Yeah, but sure. Jesus said, fear not. Fear not. How will that personally change your life, Gene? Well, I don't have any fear. Oh, okay. And I actually I actually believe that. I've known Gene long enough, I kinda of believe it, yeah. <laughs> one more, we got time for one more. Okay. Be ready a your path, yeah. But they see you're yeah. And I notice when I'm not in the Word, I don't glow. So you notice when you're not in the Word, you're not glowing. No. What? Okay, so walk us through that a little bit. You wake up in the morning. I think the Holy Spirit, you know, with Moses, he brought, you know, yeah. that. that, And so when we're with the Holy Spirit, then we get that same goal because we have that, just everything culminates with God. Hmm. Yeah. They know so why wouldn't you just wake up every morning and do that? Lazy. Lazy? What else? Um, busy. Busy? Too, busy? Too busy. Yeah, what else? I heard preoccupied. Satan distracts. Satan distracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is why not get up every morning if the result is going to be this glow that comes from being with Jesus and connecting with the Word and being informed by truth. And so why, why don't we just get up every morning? I mean, it's like getting up and just like having a, the best breakfast in the world, right? So what hinders that? What else? What, I'm, what, I'm curious, what else hinders? Self-pride. Ah, oh, good. Unpack that, Jeremy, just for a moment. What does that look like? Okay. I think I'm all that. Yeah. Yeah. This is hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, pride. Okay. Uh maybe we're onto something. Want any more? Sometimes it's illness. What is it? No, illness. illness. I've noticed with myself I I don't Illness. Yeah. I have, yeah. I don't have it to get Okay. Saying, well, okay. Okay. things we still can do. Ah. But every time I do get out I say, "Okay, Lord, make an opportunity." Hmm. Yeah. But I find sometimes I'm frustrated because I Yeah. I can't do what I used to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real quick, one in the back. Go ahead. Remind us again what we should be thinking about. <laughs> Remind Oh, okay. Remind us again what we should be thinking about. Think about things that are true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If we figure that out, dial dial that in. Yeah, I think it's uh, good, yeah. Linda. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's not personally discipling someone right now. And, Probably all alone. Do you feel all alone in the room right now? <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Linda. Go ahead, Linda. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. You are such a brat. I know. We're we're family, so I can be a brat. Yeah. No, it's like sometimes we're so focused on ourselves. Yeah. Hmm. and I've got a neighbor next door that just accepted the Lord and I have not stepped up to disciple her and that's what I got convicted of. Yeah, so Linda's saying she's not personally discipling anybody currently but she's got a neighbor who just gave her life to the Lord and now she knows that she's got to step up and disciple that person. A discipline is not to eat your, your physical food until you've eaten your spiritual food. Ah, Jean's more spiritual than me. <laughs> Her discipline <laughs> is to eat your spiritual food. Does that include coffee? Yeah. Okay, no, it doesn't. It can't. I'm going to refuse it if it includes coffee. <laughs> uh, tea. tea. You're from the UK. We're talking coffee in the U.S. here, so you can't have your tea. You can't have your tea and crumpets until you've had your spiritual food. Good. I think it's been helpful to just kind of talk out loud about stuff and um, and just let the Lord kind of teach us some things. Let's go ahead and stand up and we're, invite the worship team. Thank you, Lord. And um, even as we've been reminded um, about all of these things today, we, we're reminded also to pray for the peace of Israel, the peace of Jerusalem, Lord God, as they're in war there, Lord. We're told in the Scripture to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we do that, Lord. But, And beyond that, Lord, we pray for our own peace, Lord, that, that we would walk in alignment with you, in agreement with you, God, that we might have peace in our own hearts and in our own lives, Lord God. We, we know that, as Michael said, we can't actually get that accomplished in our own strength. We can't get spiritual things accomplished in our own strength. And so when we are weak, sick, discouraged, whatever it is, we are strong when we submit to you. So Lord, whatever the reason is, God, I pray that you would address that reason with grace and with truth and bring deliverance, we pray. Lord, we need you. We thank you for your grace. I thank you for this family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship.